Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Q, it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Also, great pre-owned inventory. If that's what uh, your budget dictates, hey, they've got it. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. You'll deal with a great sales staff that just cares about you. And a fabulous service department that backs it all up. All right, time now for our play-by-play call of the day. It's great to hear Mark zoom off on this call. Maxi coming up with it again. A blur down the floor. He's wow. bumped. You can count it at a foul. As fellow rookie LaMelo Ball bumping Tyrese Maxi. Yes, indeed. Tyrese Maxey with the steal, the lay-in, and one. By the way, did you see um, Lamar Stevens had six points for the Cavaliers last night, knocked down a three. Tim Frazier is now with the Memphis Grizzlies, and you got Josh Reeves with the Dallas Mavericks. Now, Mike Muscala was with Oklahoma City. Is he still with Oklahoma City? He is. To our knowledge? Good. There you go. Uh, Penn State scheduled to see Jimmy Sotos tomorrow night with Ohio State. Jimmy has uh, been steady, productive, at the point, takes a couple of shots a game, uh, not scoring a lot, but, you know, he gives them a good seven to nine minutes a game. Now, C.J. Walker, who has been struggling, shooting the ball, I know that he is would be listed as questionable for tomorrow night. Um, I think he'll play, but Jimmy might play a little bit more if that's the case. Okay? All right. Let's talk now about the Steelers. Let's talk about Mattatine that is playing this weekend. Yeah, it's refreshing. Boy, you really just don't like people, do you? <laughs> You're just not a people guy. Don't worry. We'll have Reuben Frank on tomorrow. And then we can get back to Hate Fest 2021. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding you. <laughs> Let's bring in uh, Neil Coolong. Neil, it's Happy New Year. Always great. And uh, always the guy that gets it done for us. It's great to be here as always. Happy New Year to you, gentlemen. Um, I'm I'm glad you found my number, T. Frank. After all these years, you uh, you dialed it right this time. Good job. Thank you. I was trying something new, where I dialed it from memory, because we I we talk once a week. Uh, you're one of the phone numbers that I have memorized, sort of. 
I don't know if I, I I don't think I would have said that. I don't think I would have said I memorized it after I just dealt, called the children's hospital. <laughs> I got nine out of ten digits right on yeah, speed it, dial. It's, it's a horseshoes and hand grenades kind of thing. You can't really get that wrong all the way. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, now that we've been able to get through to the <laughs> Neil Kulong Children's Hospital, <laughs> Neil, uh, obviously they go into this game. There's going to be no Kevin Stefanski on, on the sideline. It, look, things aren't going to change, I mean, for them, but it will change maybe the feel of whomever's calling the game for them. How do you look at what happened with Cleveland with Stefanski? Yeah, I think overall it's a level of disruption that you can't say is going to doom a team to a loss, but it is a good example of showing how many things need to work in concert with each other to win in the NFL. I I think this, this gives Pittsburgh a significant advantage because Pittsburgh doesn't have to worry about this. It's not an issue. It doesn't have to answer the question that you just asked, and that's something they're going to have to figure out. Um, that they've probably been working on for most of today. Now, uh, the facility is closed in Cleveland again, but that's happened so many times in the last two weeks that might be uh, to their benefit just because you know they're, they're used to not having not being able to, to, uh, to work at their practice facility. But without uh, that level of consistency, without that familiarity, they're going into a game that they as a team are not used to playing in. Uh, there's going to be a lot of hype around it. They gave it the the, the Sunday night spot for a reason. Uh, it, it's it's a big time game for the city. It's a big time game for the franchise to then remove your head coach. Which I don't I don't even know if this has ever happened in the playoffs before. I tried to look it up uh, not too long ago and couldn't really find anything. But yeah. to have that level of uh, departure from what's normal for you in the NFL. That's a big deal. I don't think it, it's going to necessarily decline the, the quality of play uh, from the Browns, but it's enough that they might not be as sharp as they're used to being, and that might throw them off. Right. And the difference of a playoff game oftentimes is, especially in the wild card round, is a couple plays. And it wouldn't surprise me if Pittsburgh's able to win uh, more on on more plays than you know they otherwise would have been able to, and it could end up being a ten plus point win for them. Um, it, it, to me, it's that kind of of a difference. All of that said, I think you know there's two sides to every coin. Who knows what's going to happen with Pittsburgh between now and Sunday? So uh, I, I wouldn't count anything just yet, but it definitely is a, a unique situation for a team. Uh, to yeah. lose their head coach going into a game, at least from a, a, a physical presence yeah. and certainly a, a position of leadership on the sidelines come Sunday. And play caller. Uh, I mean, that that's another key part of it, too, is he's part of the play calling apparatus for Cleveland. But in terms of preparation, I mean, you know, they, they closed their facility, which means they're really not going to practice. They just played them. I mean, the, the, the Steelers are not dramatically changing who they are in a week. Uh, but they will change personnel. Watts back, Pouncey's back, Roethlisberger's back. All right. So when you look at how, and by the way, the Steelers played hard on Sunday against Cleveland. They played very hard. Um, when you look look at the guys that are coming back into this thing now, what? Uh, how different now do the Steelers become for this game? And conversely, how confident could the Browns be because they just beat them? 
Well, a couple different things with it. I think the Browns are a good team, and I think we've seen the Browns perhaps cower a little bit in front of the Steelers in two games. Yes, they got the win on Sunday. Uh, Really, it came down to, once again, just a couple plays that the Browns made that the Steelers, by and large, backups uh, couldn't make. Um, Ola Adenihi is not going to make the impact that T.J. Watt is, right. you know, to put that mildly. Um, and, you put T.J. Watt in that game. And Olivier, Vern, gonna... and Olivier Vernon's out. Yes, exactly. I was going to touch on that as well. It, it, Browns weren't 100% in that game because of Vernon. They're not going to have him for the next game either. Um, the Steelers improved depth-wise going into this game. The Browns have shrunk for obvious reasons. Um, not to pin everything on one week, it's just kind of a weird game uh, overall for both teams. And the fact this is in Pittsburgh in primetime definitely gives Pittsburgh more of an advantage, right. uh, one that they earned simply by their, their standing in the regular season this mm-hmm. season. So putting all that together, I think Pittsburgh has much more of the advantage going into this game. Um, I think they're a stronger team top to bottom, but Cleveland's solid. I mean, they, they have playmakers. Uh, those guys are going to need to step up. I mean, I, I, I believe it was Jarvis Landry who was calling himself out uh, after Week 17. He did basically nothing in that game right. uh, against Pittsburgh, and that should have been a game he, he feasted a He should have thrived. I, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine they're going to want to get him more involved earlier um, in this one. I think he's going to be more of a factor. So there might be a, a sense of uh, aggression coming from Cleveland's offense, one that we did not really see all that much on Sunday. Um, I thought they looked really good the first two drives. Uh, Nick Chubb is a pretty good player. He mm-hmm. breaks off 47-yard runs in the no fourth play of the game or whatever it was. Um, you, you expect that kind of a thing from a player like him. Um, for the Browns and for me, I think this really speaks to their development uh, as a team, it, it's the fact that they could not string much of anything together after that very impressive opening drive. Right, and this gets to the part where Stefanski uh, comes into play. Um, you're you're scripting your first ten, fifteen plays. You're practicing those. Stefanski will very much have input on what those plays are, how they're going to run them, when they're going to run them. He's just not there to watch it over practice. But they'll have that down heading into this game. Is it going to be the same type of thing? Are they going to be able to mow over the Steelers' defense when all of their guys are in there? Uh, I don't know. But really, that, that to me was the difference in that game. And the Browns, as a team, do not consistently play at that level. That's right. why they get the doors blown off by, by 31 points against Pittsburgh one week and then drop 45 on Baltimore a couple weeks later. That's where they are as a team right now. They, they don't have that, that consistent ability to play outstanding football even when they're not at their best. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a problem for them in this game. I think it's going to be a learning experience for them uh, overall, but it, it's a dangerous team. I think it'll be a competitive game. Are fans allowed at this game? Because everything, it's, the restaurants reopen this week. I mean, with certain restrictions, are they got a lot of fans. I, I have not heard that yet. Okay. I've heard a lot of rumors about it. I've heard anywhere from six thousand to ten thousand are going to be in attendance. Okay. Um, exactly as you just said. I mean, restaurants are open around the state now. Uh, I don't think that they could restrict it or uh, what exactly they want to do about like the friends and family type of thing the right. way that they have been in the past. I would imagine they're going to open it up a little bit for fans. Um, I, I don't know to the degree that will be, or if, if they've announced it, I missed it. Yeah, um, I, I haven't, I haven't heard yet. it either, Neil. That's why I asked. I didn't know if down in Pittsburgh maybe they said something. Because I know Buffalo is going to allow it in for the first time this weekend. Um, I think uh, Governor Cuomo is throwing out the first ball. Uh, no? <laughs> wrong sport. Uh, wrong sport. Uh, Why wow, you throw out the first football? Yeah, I you bring up that though. Yeah, I mean, it is it is the only NFL team in New York State? 
Yep, that is very true. Yeah, they're they're doing something kind of weird. Like they're allowing, I think it's like sixty seven hundred seventy seven people. I don't know what percentage that that equates right. out to, but they have to get a COVID test before entering the stadium. Right. I'm gonna guess that's not something Governor Wolf is interested in for a Steelers game, no. but um, it, no. it wouldn't surprise me either. I would imagine we'll, there'll be six thousand tickets released okay. um, beyond the regular. Uh, um, uh, you know, amount of people that, that they would have let in anyway, including teams, um, any you know stadium attendants who need to be in, in attendance, uh, things like that. I think the net result would be about six thousand fans. Okay, this will be something we'll revisit when this is over. But I want to start the conversation now to lay a foundation for later conversations we're going to have. What is the Steelers' window of opportunity here? Uh, and I, I don't mean like I don't mean near term, but I mean moving past this year. What is the you know how open is the window considering the age of the quarterback, the offensive line, and a couple of other factors? I mean, is the window of opportunity still there for the Steelers in the next two years? Um, I, I, that's a great question because I'm not sure if they're in a window of opportunity right now um, and how much better than they, than they could get. I'll say this, that the biggest hindrance to that is the quarterback play. Uh, you don't know what you have exactly with Ben Roethlisberger. I think we're going to see probably by the third quarter where Ben is. Um, that, that seems to be on the timeline that, that he's been playing on the last few weeks. We'll see long-term what he's able to do, but if he can play, they have a good shot. I, it's really hard to say that they can continue to get away with him needing 25 passes and and a couple takeaways and no points to warm up before coming back and beating whoever he plays. They're they're going to need to figure that out. On the plus side, you're coming off a, a um, I don't want to say a, a real negative draft scenario for them, but they had to trade up. They had to trade last year's first round pick yep. in order to get the linebacker that they lost with Ryan Shazier. Right. You put in Devin Bush great player he's having a great season up until the point he got hurt this year he comes back that's definitely a bonus but they also get a first round pick in this draft and this is a team that last year drafted chase claypool um kevin dotson who who looks to be uh, above and beyond anything you could have hoped and i was a big fan of him and alex highsmith who's already turned himself into a productive starter with less than half a season of work and that's your first three picks Actually, your yeah, your first four picks, Minka Fitzpatrick, he was your yeah, first you round pick. Yeah, you want to throw Minka in there? He for was that, your first round pick. Great. You're was, right. You're right. I, I said Bush. I don't know why. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I, I, but I know. That. But I know what you were talking about. They traded up the year before to get Bush. I mean, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. So you've you've added multiple def- good defensive starters with uh, uh, trades and draft picks, uh, high in in priority you're putting all that together. Those are, are kind of foundation pieces to help transition from what's going to be kind of a tight cap. Uh, that situation is going to require a little bit of work. Um, they don't have a whole lot of room to really work with. I don't mean just literally the cap space that they have, but uh, there's not, they don't have a whole lot of options either. There's not much they can really do. Um, it, it'll be really interesting to see what they do with Roethlisberger this offseason. I, I don't know if they're capable of – fielding a competitive team the way that they normally would. There are some teams that would just sit on it and say, you know, I just waited out a year. Not really anything that we can do. Um, but I, I don't know how they're going to be able to do anything uh, by leaving Roethlisberger's contract at the spot that it's in. Um, they might say, look, we'll give you one more year. Uh, you have my word that you're going to make this team. After that, though, 
Probably not. So you take this for what it is. You sign this extension. We'll give you a couple bucks up front. This is going to help our cap position a little bit right now. Uh, but, you know, this is the last year that you're going to be here. That might be something they have to do. I'm not really sure uh, beyond that what they're going to be able to do. But they're, they're absolutely not going to be in play to sign Bud Dupree, um, assuming that he doesn't have a setback. And, and right. I, I certainly hope that he does not. Right. Um, they're, they're not going to be able to pay him his market value, even if he is going to be injured probably for, for training camp. Um, Alex Highsmith has played well enough to not need Bud Dupree at the, the cost that he has earned. I hope that he gets somewhere. Um, beyond that, there, there are holes in the team, I think, along the offensive line. They're still going to have to address um, having a left tackle next year would be a good idea. Uh, I don't know how they're winning with that yeah. one this year. But it, it's there, there are moves that they need to make. I don't know how much they're, they're going to be able to do. So in many ways, it's going to be kind of a, a ride-or-die team next year the way that it was this year and they got 12 wins out of it so i don't know if they're done necessarily you don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs you never do Uh, i don't know if they're necessarily done next season but they're going to be thin they're not really going to have a whole lot of depth and there's not going to be a whole lot they can do about that um with the cap restrictions that are that are being put in place due to the pandemic Without that, I think they're fine. They can do you know kind of a status quo normal year. And the great thing is they get a full draft, which they haven't had. Right. So um, putting all that together, I, I think they can be reasonably competitive next year. But it, it's interesting. I don't know if they've ever really navigated an offseason uh, like this one is going to be. They've, they've had some tough years. Uh, and, and been able to, to field, you know, kind of the semblance of a team, but they're going to be really shallow unless something, you know, administratively happens within the league, uh, giving them the opportunity to to uh, uh, get an elevated cap number outside of the projection. I don't think that they will, though. So it, that's that's a real tough spot for them to be in. But they've got a good core group uh, building. It might be just kind of one step back to take two steps forward in the future. I look at Denver when they won Super Bowl Fifty. And they beat Carolina. They had a terrific defense. Oh, and by the way, the Steelers have a terrific defense. I mean, you know, Ware and Miller were terrific bookend defensive ends. Well, Dupree and Watt were, you know, the same way with Cam Hayward in the mix. And Fitzpatrick is a fabulous X factor. So defense, the defense that they have is comparable to that Denver defense in a lot of ways, if not better, than the one that won Super Bowl 50. The quarterback play of Roethlisberger reminded me of Peyton Manning that year. The difference was is the Steelers don't have the running game that bails him out. Ben doesn't have a bailout. No, he really doesn't. I, I've, it, for the sake of my own safety around Pittsburgh, I haven't mentioned how much Ben looks like Peyton Manning before he retired. I know. Um, I think I think Ben has been better than Manning, top to bottom. I agree with that. I, I do agree with that. They did much of the same stuff. Manning was really, I can hit stuff underneath, I can do this yep. until I can't. And then when I can't, um, defense, you're going to have to step in. Brock Osweiler, you're going to have to step in here for a little bit. Yeah. Um, it, 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 Ben's performance this season was not far from that. Uh, T.J. Watt, who is at, at worst, I think right now, a runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year, is not on Von Miller's level from that season. That That's probably the best defensive performance we've seen uh, from somebody not named yeah. Aaron Donald in the last 20 years. And that, su- uh, and that was, Super Bowl game that he played was phenomenal. 
every playoff game he played. He beat the Patriots. Yeah. Von Miller beat the Patriots on his own yeah, in the did. championship. Yeah, a lot of ways. Yeah. And that is what Watt is going to have to do if they're going to make a run the way that Denver did. Denver yeah. wasn't, you know, they, they were no slouch uh, heading into those playoffs. Pittsburgh, I think you have a little bit more reason for, for concern out of them just because Denver's offense, while their quarterback wasn't good, like you mentioned, they could run the ball. They had something yeah. else that they could rely on yeah. to cover up a quarterback who was playing worse. Uh, than, than Roethlisberger uh, has been this season. The, the Broncos were capable of doing that. I'm not sure I've seen enough from the Steelers in, in terms of depth and variety on offense to say that they could. But at the same time, you know what? Their backups just went and pulled you know 45% conversion rate on third downs yeah. at Cleveland yeah. uh, simply by putting Josh Dobbs in the game out of nowhere. Uh, is that a plan? Is that something that they want to do? I noticed that they only tried to have him throw once, right. and Cleveland defended that pretty well. They ran a variety of plays with Dobbs in there, and they were, by and large, pretty successful. Not every play. You're not going to get every single play out of that. But it's a wrinkle that opponents would have to prepare for. And for a team that had absolutely no prayer of converting third and short pretty much all season long, they did. the fact that they found something that could work for them how many drives would that would that have extended? They would have beaten Washington mm -hmm. if they could convert a third down. That Baltimore game would not have been that close if they could convert a third down. They're a much better team, I think, in many ways that they are being given credit for simply because of that three-game losing streak. Yeah. I put a huge amount of that in the fact that they couldn't move the chains outside of throwing short. Right. If they have another option, if they have that versatility, I think they're going to be a lot tougher of a team to beat. Uh, may not, maybe not the most talented, but they're going to be a really hard team to beat. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see if they use Dobbs, Dobbs in that capacity on Sunday. I'm not sure if they will or not. That wasn't just kind of a one-game thing, uh, getting some reps in for next year. But uh, it, it's it's promising, and that was a huge problem. Their third-down offense and defense, for for that matter, uh, it, were were pretty inconsistent throughout the whole season. Well, you just mentioned how they can cover up for, for Ben with a running game. Uh, you cover up for the host on this show every week. Thank you so much. Appreciate <laughs> it very much. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Kulong. We'll get Bill Hillgrove's take on the Steelers Friday at 3.35. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, today's show is brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Key, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. 
because of the circumstances, we're going to have a limited window with Bill Rabinowitz of the Columbus Dispatch. First of all, Bill, thanks a lot for the time you're giving us today. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, the timing's not great. There's, you know, breaking news about Ohio State and possible possible postponement of the game. I'd love to give you, um, well, you know, we'll, we'll, hopefully it's not going to be canceled. Things look okay for now, but, you know, everything with COVID is tenuous. Yeah, this would be, what, the fourth different time that this has happened with Ohio State this season. So I know it's breaking news. How extensive is it alleged to be? I mean, it doesn't sound like it's enough to, to do anything to the game yet. But it sounds like it's a yeah, concern. I don't, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know. That's what we're trying to trying to find out. Um, I, you know, but Ohio State doesn't really release that kind of stuff. So um, until it's until it's done, we're probably not going to find out a whole lot. Yeah, you know, there, there's still. I mean, everything that I'm, everything I gather is that the game is is still on. The game is still on for now. So let's get to Justin Fields for a moment here, because Justin Fields put together one of the gutty performances that you're going to see in any game, let alone a college football playoff game. What did that tell us, that he was able to take that shot, get himself back in the game, and play at the level he did? Well, I think Ohio State has seen that before from him, but I think for a national audience, you know, that that was impressive. Uh, I think there was a lot of genuine concern about his safety and health. Um, but he obviously felt well enough to play. Uh, he, he was spectacular. Uh, even if you take the injury part of it out of it, he was great. And, and coming off the Northwestern game when he didn't play very well, it was important for him, and it was important for Ohio State for him to play like we know Justin Fields to play. When Jack Ham and I did the Penn State-Ohio State game back uh, on Halloween, Master Teague was really the lead guy, and Sermon was a guy they wanted to use a lot on third down. Now, I know Teague's been out, but what has allowed Sermon to emerge with back-to-back performances like this? I think most of it is just kind of a comfort level that he didn't have earlier in the year. Um, you know, he, he came from Oklahoma, and then the COVID disruption in terms of not being able to be with the team uh, I think affected him. He just wasn't comfortable, didn't have that feel for the offense, and and now he does. And, boy, he's been spectacular. We're going to see wide receiver upon wide receiver in this game between Smith, possibly now Waddle, but Olave and Wilson. Uh, the, Olave gets himself back in the lineup. Against Penn State, he made two spectacular plays. Uh, so, believe me, I've seen the act before <laughs> in person. But, Bill, what does he mean to Fields and this offense? Yeah, you, you need all the pieces. I mean, that, that's, you know, you need a running back. You need you need um, wide receivers. You need the tight ends in, in Ohio State. Um, certainly, um, through the tight ends more than they have, you know, three touchdown passes in the tight ends. But it really starts right. with the offensive line. And the offensive yeah. line was, was great. It was great against Northwestern. It was great against Clemson. That was that was really a difference in the game. You can you can talk about Fields and Olave and and Sermon and all that. It's all made possible by the fact that both sides of the line uh, on both sides uh, really dominated Clemson. And what does it tell us about the depth of Ohio State's offensive line? And the guy like Harry Miller, who I feel is a really good lineman, didn't play in the game and they still perform like that. Yeah, and really they've, they've had to be patchwork for a while. They missed, they were without three offensive linemen against Michigan State, and they, they rolled. Obviously, Michigan State's not great, but, you know, Michigan State's a tough team still. And, um, um, you know, they were, they were very good against Northwestern, you know, opening up those holes for, 
for um, sermon, and I, I forget who they're missing in that game. But I think they're missing somebody. I can't even keep this straight. You know who they're missing and not. And they were they were without Harry Miller um, on uh, on on Friday. And so yeah, Matt Jones played very well. Paris Johnson played well when he got thrown in there. Uh, they've got depth on their offensive line. And what's funny is that the early years of Urban Meyer, when they had great lines, they had no depth, and they kind of lived in fear that if any of those guys got hurt. If they went more than maybe one guy deep on the uh, on the depth chart, they would, or you know, the sixth guy, the seventh guy, they were not real confident in. Right now, I could, I think they're probably confident in maybe ten guys, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, I, and Bill, obviously, I know what Tyreek Smith can do. I know what Tommy Tokiai can do, Cooper, and so forth. To me, the area that I've seen the biggest improvement in Ohio State's defense are those three linebackers. Because I thought two years ago, no offense, I thought they were no better than okay. Now I think all three are really good. How do you view their linebackers and their role in this game? Well, it's really not not just three; it's four. Uh, add Justin Hilliard yeah. in there, and it's you know so you have Tough Borland um, and Pete Warner, and Warner's been fantastic. He had a couple yes, kind of he has. penalties, but he's been terrific. Uh, Justin Hilliard is, was fantastic against Clemson, and he's a guy I'm, I'm writing about him as our game day cover next week. And he's had all these, you know, terrible injuries, torn biceps, two of them, torn Achilles. He's a six-year guy, and he's played lights out the last, you know, few weeks. And, and it's, it's, you know, for a guy who's endured so much, it's, you know, you have to be pretty heartless not to feel like, like, uh, um, you know, don't feel good for a guy like that. So yeah, they've got. Four senior linebackers. Baron Browning's the other one. He's probably the most yeah. physically talented of all of them. And uh, he's he's coming back from COVID. That's who they were missing against Northwestern. And I think you could kind of tell he was a little bit rusty. Um, but with, assuming they play this game on Monday, he should be back to full strength. And, and against an offense like Alabama, they're gonna they're gonna need that. And just to remind Penn State fans, it was Hilliard. The game at Columbus last year. Will Levis. Penn State's driving. You know, and the game's dramatic, and Hilliard came up with a big interception in that game. Right, right. Uh, one last question that I know you got to run. Just your quick, you know, thumbnail of what you think about this game. Should they play Monday? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be a shootout. I don't think I'm going out on a limb there. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, you're going to have to score a minimum in the 30s to win this game. I just, yeah. two, both offenses are just too good. You know, I think of, I, I don't think Ohio State's capable of blowing Alabama out. I think if Ohio State doesn't play well, it, they, it could get ugly, but I, I think they can. I mean, I, before that game, before, you know, when I watched Alabama do to Notre Dame what it's done to most teams, I thought, well, whoever wins the second game is going to be pro, probably a sacrificial lamb. The way Ohio State played, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think it's yes. going to be a very competitive game. It's going to come down to, you know, turnovers and who makes the big plays at the end, you know, all the stuff that you always, you know, the cliches. But I think Ohio State is talented enough to hang with Alabama. It's just, you know, which defense can get some stops. Bill, I know you're working on an ever-evolving story. I really appreciate the time that you still decided to come on. I appreciate it very much, and uh, I know you got a lot of work to do. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Bill Rabinowitz, Columbus Dispatch. Uh, this is something uh, I know you said to me in the break, oh, I can't believe it. It's a breaking story. I said, I told you, I said, I knew about it by 1130 this morning. I heard about it. Um, and it's, I mean, well, right now they can play. You know, part of this is going to be like, who? Okay. Who? 
But it's also the last game. Because it is the last game, you have more flexibility with this. So if you needed to move it back a week, okay, you move it back a week. Now, there is also a domino, though, that anybody involved in this game, with if, if it were to be moved back, anybody involved in this game would also have to be allowed a window of opportunity on their NFL declaration. Okay? That's something they would have to do. Um, which is only fair. I mean, that way you can play the game, then you can worry about other stuff later. I mean, most of them are pretty much know what they're going to do anyway. But as of right now, they can play. The question is, how will the week evolve? Remember, testing the SEC is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and testing in the Big Ten is every day. Sunday's the only variable in there in the Big Ten because the company that does the antigen, uh, the company that you go to on testing, I don't think delivers results on Sunday. The game's Monday anyway. So we'll see. We'll see. And Adam Brunenberg just uh, put out a statement, too. The CFP executive director Bill Hancock saying no changes to the report. Game is still scheduled for eleventh for the eleventh as planned. Yeah, and uh, I'm not so sure Penn State's playing basketball tomorrow night at Ohio State either. So we will see about that. We may get an announcement on that shortly. Um, so we're, it's all part of the waiting game called early January. Uh, I know Penn State has been practicing in groups the last couple of days. Been doing it in groups. They have not done it all together. Uh, if that is the case, then that would be two. Because Wisconsin obviously was postponed, then the next game would be against Michigan on Saturday, which is here. In fact, the next two games would be here. And Saturday's game is a two fifteen game. But um, all I know is that the last I had heard on Penn State basketball about tomorrow night was the, it was the word used to me was pending. So we'll see. We'll see what they officially want to do with it. Uh, but it also means you got a couple of games you got to make up. Now, they want to make up these games. They want to make the games up. You know, look, look at the NFL, everything they did to get through. But, you know, the NFL ended up going 256 for 256. Major League Baseball, for all the consternation about the Cardinals and the Marlins and all the schedule problems, which include the Phillies being involved in a schedule problem, got every game in. The NBA obviously did. The NHL did. College football got most games in. And right now, in college basketball, 95% of the teams that have elected to participate are participating. Now, Villanova is on its third pause. But we'll see what they want to do. Um, it's, it's one thing... Uh, 
Dick Girardi is 0 for 2 this year, where Dick has driven in the night before a game. One was supposed to be the Drexel game, and the other one was the Wisconsin. Now, the Wisconsin one's my fault, okay? Because the weather I thought was going to be lousy here on Sunday, I was correct about that. And because the game was at noon, I said to Dick, um, you know, maybe I think about it. He said, well, let me know. He said, I want to know what's going on here. I said, yeah. So I got a hold of him on Saturday, and I said, yeah, it looks like it's going to snow a couple inches here. It's going to be a little freezing rain. Now, my forecast was accurate. But so he drives up on Saturday. Now, the first time he got the Kellys in Bullsburg. Okay. This time he got to the gas station before Kelly's. <laughs> Which means he was almost here again. He had to turn around and go back. He says, I don't care. He says, so he said, when it comes to the Michigan game, uh, the, the airtime's 145 Saturday. He says, I'll be there at 144. <laughs> so. Ah. That. We'll we'll see what they we'll see what they officially want to do here. I haven't received any official word yet, but I do know that they are un, under the guise of pending, and I do know that they have practiced sporadically. In other words, when I mean sporadically, I mean like in small groups. Now it is not. By the way, Penn State does not have a total outbreak. That does not. But it's enough where I think they're trying to at least garner some semblance of caution around it. How about that? I think Purdue's game with Nebraska tonight got postponed already, too. And now we're looking at the possibility of a national championship football delay. For Ohio State, this would be the fourth time this season they've been in this situation. Fourth time. Now, the game is still on. The game's in Miami, by the way, Miami Lakes, where the uh, Dolphins play. So, which means they'll be allowed to have some fans there. And Waddle, by the the way, might be able to play. And by the way, if they delay the game a week, Waddle probably will definitely play. An extra week probably wouldn't hurt him because they're already talking about him possibly playing in the game if it's next Monday anyway. All right, we'll take a break. Back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. So for the Browns and Steelers right now, this is how it looks. Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, uh, will not be able to coach the game Sunday night. Uh, Two other coaches are also in that vein for the Browns. Starting left guard Joel Betonio and wide receiver Daryl Hodge are also out of the game. Uh, Alex Van Pelt will call the plays. for Cleveland. For the Steelers, they will have out Joe Hayden and tight end Eric Ebron. They're both out of the game as well. On the Steelers' side, because they're on the COVID list. 
And we'll go from there. And then, of course, Ohio State football, as of right now, they are... They say they can play the game. The question is, will they play on Monday night? Or will there be a possible postponement for a week? And... We're up in the air about tomorrow's Penn State basketball game with Ohio State. No official word yet. I taped an update show for it, but I never sent it. The reason is I was waiting to see if the plane actually took off. That's what you got to do in the business these days. You got to wait. You got to wait. So, that is uh, the story on what is and (laughs) isn't going on. (laughs) That's part of it. What isn't going on? By the way, your your commercial was great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Really, it captured my interest. I'm glad. Yeah. Suit in the building? I think so. I I saw him earlier in the day. Like running around a lot? As usual, yeah. Yeah. Always was able to equate that to the waiter that's running around the restaurant, and then you realize that (laughs) nobody's getting any food. God, the dude looks busy, and then you realize nothing's happening. <laughs> no? You're telling me I'm wrong? I can't <laughs> confirm or deny. <laughs> you can't confirm or deny. Well, I know I'm going to wait a while before I post the update uh, show. But uh, we'll see what happens with Ohio State football. Uh, Ohio State's planning on playing the title game, according to Pete Thamel. All systems are go for that. There's been a COVID-19 issue at Ohio State, but not enough to postpone the game. This is obviously COVID-19 times, and things can change. So that's what Pete Thamel put out about the national championship game and the possibility of a delay. If they delay it a week, oh, would it it help uh, the ribs of... uh, Justin Fields, yes, but it would also help the ankle of uh, Waddle. I mean, they're talking about Waddle playing even if it's Monday. If it's an extra week, that'll really help him. I mean, well, Waddle's out there with Smith. Might as well go out there with the baton. It looks like they're running the 4 by one at a relay. And Waddle's as fine a punt returner in college football as you're going to see. Now, whether they would put him back on punt returns off an ankle injury like that, I don't know. Now, an extra week, they might. Smith is probably going to win the Heisman Trophy tonight. Yes, that's being given out this evening. Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, and Devontae Smith, the finalists.